Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We've been talking about David. David, and, and we began this whole thing talking about God's testimony of David, that David was a man after God's own heart. David desired what God desired. He wanted what God wanted. He was passionate about what God was passionate about. And God thought, this kid, this kid's got it. Last week we talked about you don't, you, you don't become 12. All of what we're talking about today took place when David was 12 to 15 years old. And you don't become a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old and have a testimony of God at that point in his life that David was a man after God's heart. God saw, how many of you know that God, God was never surprised about anything that David did? See, I think sometimes we think he's shocked when we mess up. And it's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. He's like, I knew. <laughs> God knew everything about David's life when he said, he's a man after my heart. Because even when David messed up, his heart was always drawn toward repentance, toward agreement with God that what he did was wrong and, and coming into the presence of God, receiving forgiveness. He always had a heart of repentance that brought him back. I told you last week we're going to look at one part of the story today. We're going to kind of just focus on this one section, and that is the, the one thing that David is first most famous for. And that is taking out Goliath. The very first thing that we find out, I mean, we know more about David, and, and of course, things happened before this, but this is what put him on the stage. David became known. He was on, uh, well, I started to say, he was on, what are you on, social media? <laughs> he was a TikTok star. Uh, definitely not for what most people become TikTok stars, the idiocy and the debauchery and the how many big E words can I find that people get famous for on TikTok and Instagram and all the other things. He was a man of God. And David steps onto the stage in, a, in a, just an, a, the most interesting moment in the time in history when Israel and, and the Philistines had come face to face, ready for battle. There's a t I want to read the whole thing, and I may. I don't know what. I may. I brought my big Bible because I thought I may do a lot of reading, and I need big words in a big Bible to, to be able to do this. And so let's start reading, and we're going to talk about it as we go. I was not going to read this part, but I, I, you know what? I just want to read it. I just want to read, and we're not going to put it up here, so if you didn't bring your Bibles, look off of your neighbor's Bible. If they hand you a, a, a breath mint, receive it. <laughs> now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokah of Judah, in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Demim between Sokah and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the, and the Israelites another with the valley between. So you get the picture? On this hill is the Philistines. And we're, not, we're talking about they had massive armies. These were serious soldiers. I mean, they, they were soldiers, professionals. 
a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. <laughs> See, what in the world is a cubit in a span? Um, history says that he was somewhere between 6'9 and 9'9. I remember the first time I heard somebody say, oh, he was only 6'9? <laughs> Have we gotten so used to, NBA, <laughs> to the NBA that 6'9 <laughs> that is no longer anything special? Um, but he was either 6'9 or 9'9, and I don't really care which one. He was a big guy. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. <laughs> However much that is. I had it written down, and, and I forgot, but it was a lot. 120 pounds or 125 pounds on his legs that's that's a lot right on his legs he wore bronze greaves and bronze and a bronze javelin was slung on his back his spear shaft his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and it's it's iron point weighed okay captain weighed 600 shekels 15 just the spearhead, 15 pounds. I don't even want to have to throw a spear that weighs that. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out? <laughs> I don't know if that's the way he talked, but why do you come out and line up for battle? I, am I not a Philistine and you are the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will be your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our, uh, uh, our subject and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were, what does that say? dismayed and terrified all right the news is coming out we're on on one of those news channels and we see this this giant come out and says america you're going down we are taking you down and and so now it's like we're getting just a little bit uneasy about this thing that what that's going on and he's we're going to make you serve us I don't know if that if that anything for you guys, but if you watch enough news, you kind of hear that there could be a country that kind of wants to just eventually take us out and take us over and and destroy us and make us serve them. And it's a good thing because I think most of you are not watching the news because you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's a good thing. Now, David was the son. Now, just stop there for a minute. Now, David. We read all of this and we read this Philistine. We read the enemy coming up and breathing threats, breathing threats. Have you ever been in a place in your life when the enemy continued to breathe threats upon you? 
You, it wasn't standing in front of you, it was in your head. You're going down. You got cancer. You're going to die. You're not going to live. You're not going to make it. You're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your money. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your kids. It's constant breathing. I'm taking you down. You're going to have to serve me. You're not going to be able to serve God anymore. He's breathing all of these threats down on you. And some people, like the, the soldiers, they begin to get terrified, and they lost heart, and they got dismayed. And inside, they were just, it's, it's like, we've got nothing to give. Have you ever been there? But Scripture said, now David. I love that. I could just stop right there. Now David. David steps onto the scene. He hears all of the, he is, he is about ready to come in to the picture. What we need in this world are Davids to step on to the scene when things are looking bleak and things look bad and things look hopeless and it looks like we're not going to make it and it looks like everything is falling apart. Give us a David. Give us a giant killer. Give us somebody that will step on the scene with some faith and say it's not going to be. It's not going to be. Now, David. Well, let me uh, jump over to verse 14. He's talking about David, Jesse's sons. Verse 14, David was the youngest, the three oldest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Why did David go back and forth from Saul? David had been put on the worship team. Saul had these attacks, this, this evil spirit that came upon him. And one of the difficult things in Scripture to understand is, is when you read the words, an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. I don't like those words. But they're there. I think Saul had gotten so rebellious so prideful doing his own thing that he would get full of anxiety at just the very thought of in the presence of God. Anxiety and, and panic attacks would come upon him using our lingo today. And when he would get like that, they would call for David to come in and play his harp. And David would begin to play his harp. And when David played, he calmed down. Have you ever walked in here full of anxiety and the, the worship team start to sing and it seems like it starts to fade? It starts to go away. The problem with Saul was the worship team helped him soothe what was going on but he didn't look to God. You, how many of you know you can't live in this room? I mean, if we could, and I don't know if you got enough money, maybe they would do it. The worship team just follow you around everywhere you go. We'll ask them. <laughs> and they could sing to you, sing you to sleep at night, sing you when you get up in the morning. Every time you feel stressed, they could sing to you. Or 
You could take that experience when the Holy Spirit lifts that in the presence of, uh, of this room and God's people in, in this atmosphere, in this environment, when the Holy Spirit lifts it, and then you walk out of here with your faith and trust in the Lord. But Saul never did that. That's why he just continually was beat up with it. And I'm not, I don't say, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to deal with, but it was true. And it was attributed to an evil spirit. David is going back and forth. He goes to play for Saul. He goes to keep the sheep. He goes to play for Saul. He goes to keep his dad's sheep. He goes to play for Saul. He goes to keep his dad's sheep. Here's what I know about him. And here's, here's something that's so vitally important. If we're going to be giant killers, here's something that's important. Honor is important. Honor that is birthed out of humility. David is called the humble shepherd for a reason. David had a great amount of humility. David never sought the stage. He sought the Savior. David never sought grandiose things. He sought God, and God gave him the other things. I think sometimes in our culture, in our society, we're seeking the stage, and we want the fame instead of the Father. But David wanted the Father. And because David wanted the Father, he wanted God the Father in his life, and because that was his greatest desire, God the Father gave him the fame. Is anybody tracking with me? Do you know why some people, some people get destroyed with fame? Because there's no foundation. It's a current culture way of thinking that can't sustain the fame that's, that, that, we, that, that can be given sometimes in this life. There are times we're not ready until God says, you're ready. And David was not ready to face Goliath until this day. But on this day, it was his moment. David David allowed God to choose his moment. He still was the one to step forward, but David allowed God to choose his moment. And, and now, I saw this thing the other day about a TikTok star murderer, just a teenager, or, or maybe early 20s. But the whole desire was for fame. Just want to be famous. Just want followers. How many followers you got? How many followers you got on Instagram? How many followers you got on Facebook? How many followers you got on TikTok? How many followers? It's all about followers. I think there's a moment where we've got to forget about followers. Hey, let me tell you kind of what it was like back in the day where churches are concerned. Pastors would get into conversations and they, and they would begin to talk about churches and here's what they would all say. How many members you got? Followers. See, we just used it differently. But we were some of the first ones to get caught up in the follower before Facebook ever existed. In other words, how many followers you got, Pastor? How many members you got? And I, and I remember, it was so interesting because you would see some of these churches and, and it was like, okay, this one, this one church had like 700 and some, some uh, um, um, members. 
And I'm thinking, how in the world do you have 700 members? You can't even get 150 people in that room. But they had 700 something members because it made us feel good. Because none of us pastors wanted to say, like I did. I remember once preaching, I got called to go preach a revival. And so it, this was in Carla's hometown. And you may remember this one. It was in Norton. Uh, West, I think maybe somewhere. But anyway, so I got called to go preach a revival and went to preach that revival. And the very first night, there was, I think I might have been by myself that night. I can't remember. But if not, it was me and Carla and the pastor and his wife and one other person. Five people. Half of it was my family. And so I said, listen, uh, I, I don't do this. I'm more important than this. You go get some more people or I'm not preaching. No, you know what I did? I opened up my Bible and I preached to those five people just like there was 5,000 in that room because I knew those five people mattered to God. Those five people mattered to God. Now, I won't lie to you and tell you that I, that I didn't want to preach a whole lot more, but I preached to them with the same passion and the same fervor. And then I let God choose when he wanted to put more people in front of me to preach to. David let God choose his moment, but he honored. He honored Saul. Saul was a maniac. Does anybody listen to me? Saul was a maniac, but David honored him. And David's honor for Saul didn't, it wasn't just in that moment. After David was anointed king, and, and you know how it is with, with, with two men and, and, a, and a woman starts to sing. She wants to sing her song. David, after, after Goliath, I'm jumping ahead. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Okay, I just got to do this. But David, after this, becomes a, a leader in the army. I mean, he's a, he's a great, he becomes a great soldier and a leader in the army. And so he goes out to battle and, and he comes back in from battle and there's this lady standing there at the gate and she's singing David or uh, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands. Well, you get an ego involved. You know what I'm saying? Saul's ego's involved now. It's like, well, what, who they think he is? What do they think he can do? Just take over the whole kingdom? And Saul, what Saul did not know was, yeah, God's already chose that Saul. It's going to happen, but not yet. And so on occasion, Saul tried to kill David. There were moments when the worship team was singing. By worship team, y'all understand what I'm saying. Was David, was the worship team, right? With his heart and he's playing. And, and Saul would get so irritated, he would stand up and he would take his javelin and he would throw it at David and David would just duck and keep on playing. Do you know what most of us would do? We'd get up and go home and tell mama, mama, I quit my job today because that boss was mean to me. <laughs> Hello. You're preaching now, bud. Get out. 
we can't take anything nowadays, can we? I mean, just can't take anything. Can't take anybody saying anything to us. I'll get to that in a minute. Let me, honor, back to honor. (laughs) David could have taken Saul out. But David knew that Saul had been anointed as king and that God would take him out when God was ready and then he would step in. But David never tried to take the throne. He let God put him on it. Does this make sense? Anybody tracking with me? Is this boring? No? So now we've got David and he, this, if you're going to get anywhere, you know, scripture says that pride comes before destruction before the fall, before destruction. Humility comes before honor. If you ever want to be honored in your life, read Proverbs, you ever want to be honored in your life, it's going to start with humility. And if there is no humility, there is no true honor. Honor, not just for you, but the honor. You don't get honor until you show honor. And there's got to be an amount of honor for leadership. Oh, I don't, I don't want to say what I'm going to say, but the Holy Spirit just told me to say it, so I got to say it. Over the last, I don't know, eight, 12 years, there's no honor in this country anymore for position. And I'm, I'm even thinking about things I've said. And so, Lord, right now I'm repenting of that, Lord. You know my heart. We have a president in this country, right? We always have a president in this country. Am I right about that? Yes. Kind of like a King Saul. See what I'm saying? And David showed honor to a king that even tried to take him out. Because he trusted God that in due time, God would move and do what he needed to do. David heard from God and did what God said when God told him to. What would happen in this country if we chose to respect? What if the Democrats chose to respect President Trump? What if the Republicans chose to respect President Biden? What would happen if we chose to honor the people that are in positions, whether we like them or not, whether we like the way they do what they do or not, but we show honor. You don't have to agree with, you can go to the voting booth and do what you want, but what if we as God's people become giant, you're never going to be a giant killer unless there is honor. Nobody's going to come to you and ask you, Saul, Saul reached out, though it went bad later on, but Saul reached out and chose David. Why? Because David was a man of honor. David never tried to take Saul down. He just trusted God because he knew that if God can take down Goliath when he's ready, he'll move Saul out. Oh, man, I'm telling you, that one right there just came fresh off the
because I didn't want to say it because I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to be a giant killer. Do you all? Let's take just a minute. Lord, forgive us. Who, oh God, who do we think we are that we can just dishonor? Give us the, the humble heart of David that trusted you above all else. Mm, in Jesus' name, thank you for that, Lord. Okay, well, that brought us almost right up to the end. I don't, I don't even know. Uh, I'm out of time, and I don't want to jump into something else, but that just kind of caught me off guard. Did you catch anybody else off guard? That just kind of caught me off guard. David went back and forth. I will say this. He went back and forth. 40 days, uh, for 40 days, the Philistines came forward. And yeah, the worship team can come. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take these things along with Jesus, the commander of the unit, to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are and bring back assurance from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah, they're fighting against the Philistines. Okay. So David Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. Let, let's close with this. As a 12 to 15 year old, David was responsible. He was humble. He honored people. He honored his father. Didn't he? He did exactly what his father asked him to do. If we, if we don't honor earthly, how are we going to honor heavenly? Do you know why David? David had such a relationship with God, and I don't know which came first. I don't know if his relationship with his father fed into his relationship uh, with, God, with God, or if his relationship with God the Father impacted his relationship with the Father. It doesn't really matter. The relationship we have with our Heavenly Father produces the things that I'm talking about. It's not things that we just check off. And, and checklists are fine, and I need checklists occasionally. Especially this time in my life. If I don't have checklist, I don't even know why. I'll walk around Walmart trying to figure out why am I here. I came here to buy something. I have no idea why I'm here, what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm supposed to be getting. And, and I'll walk around for a while just see if it comes back to me. And then I'll call Carl and say, Shh. David was a man of honor and responsibility. Unless you're responsible with what God has given you now, he's never going to be able to give you more. Is anybody tracking with me? We want this, we want this, and especially to the young people in the room right now, it, you, you're, you're young, you've got dreams. See, some of the old people, all their dreams are dead, and they just get up and... <laughs> They don't even dream anymore. It's just like, ah, just get up and go and do, 
No, no, no. We should never stop dreaming. We should never stop living. We should never stop dreaming. We should never stop seeing a vision for what God can do in this earth through the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God. We should never stop. I pray to God that when I live to be a hundred years old, that I still am dreaming of what God could do in this earth through me and through you. I pray to God for that. David never stopped, but he was responsible. Are you being responsible with what God has given you? That's the question of the hour. You're wanting more? Lord, I want a big house. Are you taking care of the little one? I want a big, nice car. Are you taking care of the little jalopy? I want a better wife. Are you taking care of the one you got? Maybe if you did, you don't need a better one. But I, 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 want a, I want a husband that'll love me. Are you loving him? Maybe if you take care of the one you got, you don't need another one. I'm just saying live responsibly. See, it's so easy for us grown-ups to point to the young people and say, yeah, that's the most irresponsible generation. Go look in the mirror. Are you with me? Just look in the mirror. We're criticizing them for being irresponsible. All I'm saying is if we're going to be giant killers and if Harvest Community Church, and we're going to do it, guys, we're going to take some giants. If we're going to be giant killers, we got to be responsible in every way. We got to be responsible with our spiritual gifts. And some of you say, I don't even know what it is. Shame on you. Okay, let me take the word shame away. I don't like the word shame. Bad. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I don't even know what spiritual gifts are. Do you have a Bible? Well, they didn't tell me at my church. Do you have a Bible? Well... I just don't want to go. I don't feel like I'm getting fed at church anymore. Would you? Honey, when we ate yesterday evening and we had supper, did you have to feed me? Why did you not feed me? Because I'm a grown man and I can feed myself. Hello. Hello. Oh, they just don't feed me there. Get. Put your butt in a seat. Yeah, I'll clean it up before the second service, but I'm just going to get nasty right now. (laughs) Put your butt in a chair somewhere and open this book up and start reading. All this stuff I'm talking to you about, David, this is some of the stuff that has helped me become who I am. I'm not telling you that I'm the best giant killer, but I am telling you that I have learned to honor better now since the Holy Spirit did that a minute ago. But I have learned, I have learned the the power of humility. I have learned what God can do with responsibility. Where did that come from? It came from this book. 
It came from the book. It's all there. It's right there. Okay, I'm not going to mess this sermon up. Let's just... Father, if there's ever been a time that we need giant killers, that we need Esther's to step up for such a time as this, that we need Nehemiah's to get a burden to build a wall to protect your people and to restore them. If there's ever been a time we need David's to stand up against the giants that try to take us down in this current culture, it's today. There's ever a time that we need Elijah's to face off with the prophets of Baal, of this world, the, the godlessness, it's today. Teach us how to be giant killers and raise us up. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.